I want to celebrate and encourage you on your fast. Those of you that are fasting, I, you know, I'm a week into my Daniel's fast. I, I feel a lot more like a rabbit than I've ever felt. You know, <laughs> vegetables and nuts and fruit, you know. But it's good. I want to encourage you, though, if you're in the fast or if you're doing it, to not give up, number one. Number two is to take some time to really listen to God. I, I think that's important. It's, it's easy to get in a fast time, and we're doing this because we believe that God wants to do something significant in us as a church, and, and He wants to do something significant in us individually. But many times we get so focused on the fast and the actual doing of the fast that we forget the being part of it or the hearing part of what God wants to do in our lives. So I just want to challenge you or encourage you or just say, hey, keep going, but take time to listen, to listen to God's voice. I know for me that means I have to change some of my regular spiritual devotion times and how I do that. So I just want to encourage you to do the same. We're in week four of our series called New and I uh, hope you've been in, enjoying it. If you haven't been here for every service, I encourage you to go online, listen to the podcast and some of the messages that are on there. But uh, we're just we're looking at a text of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that's kind of been our theme text for this whole series. And we're asking the question, what's new? What's new in your life today? What's, what's new because of Jesus and His change and who He is and what's, what's happening? And, and the simple truth and we're going to talk about a simple biblical truth in just a moment. But the simple truth is God wants to do something new in your life. He wants to do something new in my life. I mean, one of the things that I think always captures my attention with God is he's not done with me yet. God's not done with me yet. I mean, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving. It doesn't matter if you just started. God is just in the process of doing the things that he wants to do in your life and in my life. He's not done. He wants to do a new thing. So our key verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Anyone, means all of us, not some of us, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. Is a new person. And then it goes on. The past is forgotten and everything, everything is new. That's hard to get a hold of sometimes. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this idea that somehow Jesus makes everything new. Sometimes we come into a relationship or even we begin to explore this idea of Christ in us or Jesus doing some work in us and we're looking, I don't know if there's that much new at all. And some of that is because it's the process of him making things new and other times it's actually him instantly making us new in different ways. And so that's a whole other topic, a whole other discussion. But anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. Now, so, so if everything is new when I belong to Christ, the obvious question is, what's new? And that's what we've been talking about every week, what's new? In this series, we've been exploring the idea that when a person is connected to Jesus, united, belongs to Jesus, excuse me, everything becomes new. Everything. I mean, all these different things. And so we, we talked about several different things, but when I belong to Jesus, and these are some of the fill-in-the-blanks real quickly as review, I, I have a new path. And what that means is the direction of my life has been changed. I'm no longer going the same direction. I'm no longer heading that same way. And Jesus gives me a new purpose. And for some of us, the beginning point of something new in our lives with Jesus is just simply recognizing and realizing, I need to go in a new direction. I need to go in a different direction. I need to realize at some point that the path I'm on is not going to take me where I want to end up. I need to go in a new direction. So big, a big part of what Jesus does that is new is he gives us new direction. Second one 
is a new vision, and we talked about that. And that means really simply this, is that our perspective in life has changed. In other words, we see things differently. We, we, it, just, it just doesn't have the same look that it used to have. It doesn't appear to be the same way. Why? Because Jesus did something to the vision of who I am, and he changed that. And so what happens then, so many times we get stuck, though, in this rut, and we can't see past our current situation, but when Jesus makes everything new, he allows me to see what I maybe couldn't see before or see past what I'm part of right now so that I could get to where I need to be. I mean, all that's taking place in this new idea that Jesus is doing. And so, so many times we are controlled by the past, and we need our past to be forgotten. And part of that past being forgotten is the ability to see past that. Uh, we talked about a few other things. A new vision prepares us to turn the corner. We talked about that as a church, that we begin to individually and corporately say, I'm anticipating and expecting and looking for change in my life. I think that's a big key area in this whole idea of something new, that God, somehow, I would not be satisfied, I would not be content, but I would look for you to do something significantly different in my life. I'm open to that. And so I'm turning the corner. I'm seeing that possibility. Vision focuses our attention on being mature. We talked about that as well, that, that somehow when God gives me a new vision and this is what's happening in me, all of a sudden I realize that really what he wants me to be and what I am today are many times something different. And he wants me to become something, and that becoming is mature and accountable and transparent and God doing that work through me. And so that's a big part. And then we talked about, and this one's been pounding on my heart for weeks now, is that vision causes us to see the people around us from God's point of view. In other words, what happens is when we get a vision that is new from Jesus, we no longer see all those difficult people as just difficult people. We see them as this opportunity that God might be interested in so much that he would even send his son to die for that person. <laughs> you know, And that somehow it, it rekindles because I see God, I mean, I see people the same way God sees people. It rekindles this passion in me that matches or coincides with the passion that is with God. And so that's a big part of this. And so then last week, we explored another area or, you know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but we just looked at another side of it, and the, and the whole side of it last week, and this one is maybe the deepest need of us needing something new, and that was that we need a new heart. We need this new heart, and it is the center of my life is changed. The very core of who I am gets transformed by Jesus doing something new in me. I'm a new person because he has changed my heart. And so we, we, we really talked about that. And the real work of Jesus making everything new in our lives emerges or it comes from this Genesis moment when God touches your heart with the power of only, only God's hand can do. In other words, God does something in me that I could never claim that I did it myself. I didn't somehow whip myself into a better person. I didn't somehow make myself a better person. I couldn't fix the problem that was in my heart. But by Jesus... And the work of the cross in his resurrection, that same power touches my desperately broken heart, and I'm changed. I'm fixed in that way. And so it's a God thing. It's a Genesis moment thing that we desperately mean. And really what that means is that God turns our dark, stony, stubborn, broken, wounded, lying hearts into tender, responsive hearts. 
I mean, it's like this flip thing that happens. All of a sudden, what I used to be, I'm no longer because the very core, the very center of who I am is changed. So that's, that's kind of a five-minute update to what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Now, today, I want to look at another one. And this one's kind of hard because it, it's this whole idea of Jesus making everything new and him being our new leader, being our new leader. And, and, and the fill in the blank there is the control of my life is changed. The control of my life has changed. It says in our text, we belong to Christ, and it's the key aspect of the work of Jesus is that we no longer call the shots. We no longer call the shots. In other words, I'm not the boss. I'm, I'm not the man, you know, and so I want to look at that. Now, a lot of us, immediately when I say that, I belong to somebody, I, I can't call the shots, a lot of us might say in our hearts things like, I don't belong to anyone. You've you got to be kidding. I don't belong. I'm, I'm my own person. I do my own thing, or, or I am the captain of my own ship. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm in complete control, and we buck that. We, we buck this idea that somehow Jesus would have right or place in our lives, that he would be the controlling factor of who we are. It, it, it challenges us. It, it, it does something to it. You know, Jennifer, she's not in here right now, but Jennifer tries to tell me all the time what to do. I mean, it's like a constant thing. She's trying to tell me what to do, right? And so I, I love my wife. I wrote that in my notes so I wouldn't forget that. I love my wife. I do. With all my heart, I love my wife. I'm gr- growing to appreciate her more and more and more and more and more as the years go by. But I have to remind her constantly, you are not the boss of me. <laughs> Let us pray. That's the message today. You know, but I mean, we just we just buck this. I mean, and, and so my natural tendency is probably a lot like your natural tendency. And I'm talking about natural tendency. My natural tendency is I buck anything or anyone that tries to control me. I just buck. I mean, I, sometimes I'll buck when I'm out shopping and somebody at the, at the counter said, well, we don't, we don't have that anymore on the menu. I'm like, what? How can you not have that on the menu? <laughs> you tell me No. You know, I mean, I'll, it's weirdest times it shows up, and I don't, ta- I don't like to be told no, and most of us, when we think of being under someone else's control, we automatically think of the negative, don't we? I mean, we say, you know, somebody else leading me, somebody else controlling me, the automatic response in our minds and our hearts is, ah, I'm fighting that. But when it comes to Jesus, it's a really good, cool thing. It, it, because, and here's what happens. We think of the negative. We think it's someone trying to take away my individuality. Jesus made you and I exactly the way we are. I mean, he created us with the personality and the drives and the passions. I mean, he put all that into the DNA spiritually of who we are. I mean, he made us like this, right? The difference is, is whose control is all of this under? Who, who's leading all this, <laughs> Who, who's calling the shots for all this? He, he doesn't say, hey, I want to make you all these simple robotic clones. He's saying, no, I want you still to have your individuality, but I want the control and the lead to be with me. And so that's the real issue. But we tend to go with the negative, and we think that someone's trying to take away our individuality, or we think it's someone trying to force us to act a certain way. I mean, that's when we talk about leading and controlling. We think of somebody with a whip or we think of a police officer standing on the corner. I mean, whatever it might be, we just have that mentality. It's like he's just trying to force me to do something I don't want to do. 
and we twist that thing that should be really cool with God because he wants to make everything new and him becoming a new leader for me and the control of my life has changed. And we make it this negative thing because we think he's trying to take away my individuality and he's trying to force me to do something that I really don't want to do or whatever it might be. And, and really what happens is most of us want to be our own bosses and we have to deal with that. We have to deal with the fact that we want to be our own boss, that there's something that's, that's opposite of this idea of being new with Christ that isn't in line with that. And so we want to be our own bosses and we want to call the shots, which totally contradicts this idea that Jesus said, hey, come follow me, you know, go where I go, you know, this whole idea that he's calling the shots instead of me. And so we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit. So, my natural tendency probably is a lot like yours. At least, don't leave me up here all by myself, okay? Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, so let's, let's unpack a couple scriptures here. All right, the first one, and let's just start with a simple biblical truth. And a simple biblical truth is this. When I belong to Jesus, I have a new leader. That's the simple biblical truth. When I belong to Jesus, I have a new leader. I used to be the leader. I used to be the one in control. I used to be the one calling the shots. Now, though, because I belong to Jesus, I have a new leader. And the text says, and this is right before our key text, by the way. It, it says, if, if it seems, excuse me, if it seems we are crazy. Ever feel crazy? Okay. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. And in other words, he's, what he's talking about here is if we can get this thing worked out right, it actually honors God, glorifies Him, lifts Him up to the place He should be in the right place, and it affects those around us in the right way. Okay? And he goes on, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, there's that new concept again, the new life will no longer live for themselves. Will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. All right, so this is, this is leading up to our key text that we've been talking about all these, you know, weeks now. You know, that when Jesus, when I, I belong to Jesus, I become this new person, the past is forgotten, and everything is new. It's connected. These, the, this text and that text are connected. And again, before Jesus, I was the leader, I was in control, I was the calling of shots, but now it says those who receive the, his new life will no longer live for themselves. The question is, what's that mean? What's that mean? I mean, if, if, if I no longer live for myself, then what's going on here? What's the new thing that's happening? Here, here's a few things. First one is this, that Jesus becomes my new ruler. There's a, there's a biblical term for that, and it's called Lord. <laughs> he becomes my Lord. In other words, he has right and claim, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. He has right and claim to who I am because of who he is. Right? He becomes my new ruler. It, and again, it doesn't always make sense. That text that says, if it seems we're crazy, 
Because the rest of the world is going, wait a minute, be yourself, do your own thing, go your own way. Independence, independence, independence. And we're wanting that, but Jesus is saying, wait, if you belong to me, I'm your new ruler. I'm your new leader. And so there's a challenge. So if it seems crazy, it might be a little crazy to the world, but it's right to Jesus. Because that's what he's making new. So it does make sense to everyone else to give yourself over to control of someone else and so the question is why do we do that well i already mentioned to bring glory to god and to benefit others and maybe the biggest reason i do this is the new ruler jesus he actually died for me that changes everything it changes my perspective on this it changes what kind of ruler is making a claim it's not like somebody that hey you follow me. You do what I tell. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to die for you. Does that do anything for you? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, maybe it does. And so this new ruler died for me. And, the, and here's the second part of it. And the old ruler, me, died. So all of a sudden, I've got this thing that's happening that Jesus becomes my new ruler. Why? Because the new ruler di- died for me, paid the price, did everything that I could never do myself, and the old ruler actually died. Why did the old ruler die? I didn't put this in my notes, but I was thinking about it this morning. Because the old ruler really stunk at ruling. <laughs> right? I mean, the old ruler just couldn't get it, make a, yeah, it was just a mess. My old life died. It died to your old life. Why did you die to the old life? Because the old life was stupid. It was backwards. It was resistant. It was dark. It was ugly. It was, it was out of control. It was, I mean, all the things that we understand, life to be without Jesus, that's what it was. And so it made sense for that to die and the new ruler, Jesus, to live. So he becomes this new ruler in me. Second one is this, that Jesus functions as the new authority in my life. The new authority in my life. And really what that means is simply this. You know, he's, he's this new authority. is that I become obedient now to Jesus. You're saying, well, okay, wait, I'm, I'm with this. And let me kind of break it down more. I am surrendered to his call. In other words, meaning his call. It's his call. I surrender to that. He's the one making the call. It's, it's his decision. Here's one. It's actually his opinion <laughs> like wait a minute i got an opinion yeah but when you come into this new relationship this new thing that christ does he becomes this new authority my opinion really doesn't matter as much as it used to because again the old one's gone the new one's there and it's a new authority and so this opinion this decision this call i'm obedient to that because he's the new authority in my life now there's two kinds of authorities that no longer live all right, that no longer live. There's people authority. A lot of us live under people authority. In other words, everything we do in life is to please people, whether it be, you know, your neighbor or the, you're just always constantly, well, what, what do I need to do to please these people? And a lot of peer pressure comes from that. You know, we try to live up to everybody else's expectations, and we're trying to please everybody else but God. And so there's the people authority. He says that no longer lives. The second one is this, it's personal authority personal authority we no longer see ourselves as the final say in other words it's not my call <laughs> i'm not the one in authority here 
I'm not the one making the final decision. It's not about my decision. It's about his decision. It's not my call. It's his. Why? Because I have a new authority in my life. Next, here's a question that probably needs to be inserted here. Why do we have such a hard time yielding to authority? Why do we have such a hard time? I mean, what happens in us, you know, and, and I just thinking that through, and, and really what it is, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I know it is for me. I know it is probably for you just because you're created by the same God that I'm created by. And what it is, is that inside us, naturally, is an independent heart. And so when the claim of Christ's authority comes over my life, I buck, I kick, I fight. That's the natural thing. But what I understand it, when Jesus begins to do the work in my life, he becomes this new authority, and the bucking ceases, and the surrendering begins. All right, so, so why am I still that way? It's a hard issue. We don't want to lose control. And actually what we're doing is we're surrendering control to somebody else who's better at it than us. It's, it's, it, here's another one. We see it as a sign of weakness right? How many of you think if you're not in control, then you're just somehow weak? I've actually had people in conversation say, man, I can't, I can't ask God to forgive me and do the things in me because that's a, that's a weak moment. Well, that's the right moment. That's where you need to be is under his authority. And to do that, you have to come to the place where you admit and recognize your own weakness and accept his strength and allow him to call the shots. And so this whole idea that somehow I, I, it's a sign of weakness or, or we don't like someone else making the decisions for us, not even Jesus. And so that's why it's such a hard thing for us. And we've got to wrestle through this, but he wants to make us new in this area. Next one is this. Jesus sets a, the new course for my life. And it, our text said, instead, instead, they will live for Christ. Instead, in other words, even they used to be going this way, they used to be doing this, they used to be following after all these different things, but now, because this new leader is in their lives, they're going to live their lives for Christ. And really what that means, it means I will follow him. I will follow him. I will pattern myself. That's really when you start breaking out. What's that mean? Well, I'm going to follow. I'm, I'm going to go where he goes, but I'm going to do what he does. And I'm going to pattern my life because why? I have this new course because I have this new leader in my life. And so therefore, the pattern of my life is no longer the old pattern. It's a new pattern. And it's following him. Where he goes, I will go. And I will follow Jesus. And here's, here's how this plays out. It plays out in places like our home. <laughs> I'm going to pattern my home like Jesus. What would Jesus do in this moment? When, when crazy is happening at the house, I'm sure he would just start throwing things through the wall and punching doors. And, you know, I'm sure that's what Jesus would do. No, you, the pattern of Jesus would be, okay, there's probably an idea that, Lord, you would have grace and mercy poured over this situation. You wouldn't freak out. You would give out more love, more, right? So in my home, or, or how about at work? Instead of always trying to, get to the top of the ladder, maybe you're always encouraging others. Instead of always trying to pull people down and make sure that everybody knows how wrong they are, maybe you're trying to go just the opposite way and help them become what they were created to be. It's a pattern. 
Or maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe, maybe you're married here today and you're, you're wrestling with that. And it, here's, by the way, this is actually a lot of text in Scripture. It talks about Jesus and our relationship with Jesus and the same relationship being that of a husband and wife. Where it has things like respect and honor and cherish and protect and do all those kind of things. It's the pattern. And so I have this new course for my life. Next one is that Jesus establishes himself as my new master. Now that word kind of freaks some people out. He's my master. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And what it says in our text, it says this, Christ's love controls us. Other text says it compels us. In other words, it makes me to do this. It forces me. So there's an aspect that God, can, he, he has latched on and got a hold of me somehow that he's doing this. And really what it means is this, is that I am a servant of Jesus. I submit my life to Jesus. Here's another word. I become a slave of Jesus. It's leading to something. You know what it's leading to? It's he owns me. He owns me. Like, I don't want nobody owning me. That's, man, I was with you until you said that. Nobody owns me. But see, when the new leader comes, he becomes my master. And the master owns things. He owns people. He owns us. You're like, whoa, man, that's kind of, I don't know. And by the way, when you are owned, mastered under the control of Christ, it's not a partnership. I'm a partner with God. Well, you're a partner in a sense that you're on his team because he bought you and you're part of that, right? It's, it's, it's not on my terms. In other words, when, when he does this, I'll do this. It, it really doesn't have a lot to do with your terms. It's all about him because he's the new leader. He's the new authority. He's the new master. He's the new course. He's all those things that we just talked about. He's the new master. His Christ's love controls us. Now, there's a scripture in Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians it says this, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. God bought you with a high price. And what that basically means is this, is that when Jesus stepped into humanity and allowed himself and decided for himself to go to the cross and give his life to you, for you and I, he purchased us. He, he bought us. Like, well, I don't want that. Well, he... He's already laid claim. It's just whether or not you accept it. He's already done this. He's, he's already went through the whole process of making this happen. It's already a done deal. You're like, he ain't owning me. It's like, well, Scripture says that eventually every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, it's already a done deal. It's just how you're living it out. Because he's the master. He's the one in control. Now, here's, here's something very, very interesting to this, though, because some of us, man, I don't like this. He's controlling me. He, I, I don't want to be nobody's slave. I don't want to be submitted to anybody. I, you know, we, we got this wrestle in us that comes alive. But here's the point. I don't surrender or submit or become a slave to, to Jesus because I have to. I don't do that. If you're doing it because you have to, you totally missed it. I have to. You know what? Here's the answer. I become a slave, a servant. Uh, he owns me because I want to. Why? Because Christ's love controls me. 
In other words, it captured me. It, it leaped out and grabbed me. It got a hold of me in such a way I couldn't run from it. I couldn't get away from it. And now that it's caught me, I don't want to be anywhere else. So it's not really that he's mastered me by force. He's mastered me because he loved me so much. God, my only response is to say, I'm all yours. Anybody understand what I'm talking about here? Okay, all right. Got a couple of heads going, yeah, I think I got it there. Yeah. Is there any more coffee? Oh, bird, sorry. So, all that's happening. So, I, I serve because of love. I submit because of love. I have been captured by love. So, when you start to, think, start to think, this is an ugly, stupid thing. No, it's not an ugly, stupid thing at all. He's laid down his life as, a, as the premier <laughs> statement of love, and that love motivates me to say, God, I'm all yours. That's what's new. All right? So, let me, now let me just give us a lesson real quick on following Jesus' lead. Lesson of following Jesus' lead. It's in John chapter 10. And kind of, a, kind of an interesting text. And by the way, you know, many times Jesus is called the good shepherd, right? Jesus is called the, the shepherd. I will lead my sheep. You know, and it, it's actually an Old Testament concept that comes right into the New, New Testament. And Jesus talked about this a lot, actually. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 5, it says, I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. In other words, there's those that claim to have authority in your life that really don't have any authority at all. There, there's those out there that really are going about the business of trying to lay claim to something in your life that have no business laying claim at all. It goes on, <clears throat> excuse me. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, that's a real big theological statement here, and, and it's in a parable, and it's in a context. Of that the gate is actually Jesus going through the resurrection, that he prepares this pathway, if you will, this gateway that all of us can go through. I mean, he's doing this. He, the one that goes through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. In other words, he has the credentials to be that person. The shepherd refers to Jesus. The sheep refer to us. The gatekeeper opens the gate for them, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, there's a ton in there. And in this text, we get this glimpse, all right, of what it means to be under the leadership of of Jesus. Let me give it to you real quickly. First one is this, is that I personally, personally recognize his, Jesus's claim on my life. In other words, it becomes something very personal. It's, it's not something out there. It's not something Pastor Troy is always talking about. I have no clue what he's talking about, but it kind of sounds good, and I agree with it for the most part. <laughs> it's personal. It's this personally recognizing idea or understanding that Jesus has a claim on my life. It says again, recognizing his voice. In other words, I know that voice. When he calls, I know who that is. Then it says again in the text that by name he calls them. In other words, so somehow there's this idea that I know, that I know this isn't somebody, whoever, whatever out there. It's very specific. It is a personal thing. I was thinking about it when I was a kid. Uh, my dad, and I was probably one of the most angelic kids you ever met in your life. 
no lightning, <laughs> we're still good. And I, and I was thinking about it kind of this way, is that when I was a kid, you know, we'd go out and play. We lived in a small rural, rural town, and, and you'd just kind of go play. And usually you would only be maybe a block or two. Back then in the day, you could just go wherever, you know, you just go. You'd jump on your bike and go. My dad could whistle like nobody else. No fingers, no nothing. He taught me how to do it. I actually drove my entire family crazy one vacation learning how to do it without my fingers. I'd do it, but I blew through the speaker too loud. But. And so he would whistle. And, I mean, there could be 50 people whistling at the same time, all kinds of stuff going on. But he would whistle, and it would be like, that's my dad. <laughs> you know? And I would know that I better get my little rear end home really quick because if he has to whistle a couple times, I'm in trouble. But I knew it personally. And so when we're talking about this idea of Jesus' leadership, there's this personal idea that I understand that God has called my name and he's personally speaking to me and I recognize that. Why do I recognize that? Because God has put within each one of us, in each one of our hearts, in each one of the DNAs of our spirit, a sense, if you will, to his voice. But I have to listen to it. Going back to what we started off with today, I have to listen to that voice. Now, so recognizing his voice, and here's another part of the claim thing, is that I recognize his authority, going back to this whole idea. Because it says in there, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the walls of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. In other words, it's fake. It's, it's not right. And here's the point. Jesus alone is to be the only authority in our lives. Every other claim to authority, every other claim, whether it be my claim or somebody else's claim, to the authority of my life, it's false. Whoa, you're rocking my world here. Don't, it's got to be some of, come on, I can lay some claim. So I say, no, you don't, you're not in that position of, having that right there's robbers and thieves and sometimes we're in the category of the robbers and thieves so it is an attempt then if every other claim is an authority of to authority is false it is an attempt listen to this to steal what only belongs to jesus it is an attempt to steal what only belongs to jesus so if you're going i want to be independent i want to be in control i want to call my own shots i want to do that really what you're doing is you're attempting to steal what only belongs to Jesus. Go on. and So here's another one. Everything we do that leaves Jesus out of the picture is an attempt to bypass the rightful place of Jesus in our lives. In other words, I'm trying to do a little two-step. Ha-ha, I beat Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're trying to figure out a way that we can somehow serpent his authority in our lives. And so that he said, well, that isn't going to happen. And so there's a lot of people out there and a lot of thoughts out there that make claim to be the authority, but Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the dude. I'm the one. I'm the one. And I, I love what Andy Stanley says about this. He says, I'm not sure about how everything works, but I'm going to stay on the side of the guy who raised from the dead. <laughs> Good approach, right? You know, it's kind of like this, and, it, you know, it's, I have, I have a, a flock of turkeys that come through my backyard all the time. I love turkeys. Love to eat them. Love to watch them. Love to shoot them. I mean, harvest them, I'm sorry. Love to do all those things. And one of the things I like to do is I like to mess with them. <laughs> I just love messing with them. 
So I have by my back door a, a set of calls. I have three different ones. I have a box call. I have these. They come around, and sure enough, I look out there, and I go, and the, and the pick in me comes alive. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going to get these. And they don't, they don't always do it because they're on to me now. But they used to. They used to. I'd go, and I'd pull the door open, I'd pull my mouth call in, and I'd go, and they go, you know, they do that kind of thing. I'm like, dude, this is so cool. You know, and I'm, sure enough, man, they'd be like right in our back, right outside the door, I mean, 10 feet away. So then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to really mess with them. I'm going to go to the front door. So I go to the front door. I can hear them back in the backyard. Sure enough, they come around the house to the front, and they're looking around. Where's she at? Where's she at? You know? Then I'd go back to the back, and I'd do it again. I, could, I had them go around the house three times one time. I mean, I got them going all the way around the house. You know? Well, I've noticed, though, that something's happened here lately. Turkey aren't necessarily smart, but all of a sudden they started realizing, burp, burp, burp. that's Troy. Because <laughs> 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 this is what they'll do now. They'll, they'll, I'll go, burp, 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 and they'll go, and I'll look out the window, and they'll kind of do one of these. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And what it is, is they simply are recognizing the true authority. It's not a real deal. It's not real. And they know that. And, 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 and sometimes you have to kind of explore it to check it, you know, kind of weigh it and see. But there's an idea that what Jesus is talking about here is just that. Now, so what are the qualifications, real quickly, that Jesus could make such a claim? And what's his qualifications? You're probably going, well, pff, who said he could be the boss anyway, Right? I mean, who said that? I mean, you know, and here's, here's an interesting thing. You, you're reading through Scripture. Look at how many times the religious people came to Jesus and said, by what authority do you do this? <laughs> you know what his answer was all the time? It was given to me by my Father. Matter of fact, everything I do is because I'm actually God. <laughs> They're like, what? You, how can you even claim that? Well, I can't claim what I'm not, so I claim that... <laughs> You know, he's kind of going through this whole thing. And he gets in kind of some deep water because of who he claims to be. But then he backs it up in a kind of a crazy way. He actually goes to the cross. Three days later, he does what? Ta-da! <laughs> Here I am. And he raises from the dead. And so here's this idea. So what gives him the right to be my leader, to be my boss, to be my Lord, to set my course, to do all those things we talk about? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Now, he, Jesus... It's far above any ruler or authority. And picture this in the context of what he did on earth and what he did at the cross. He is, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. <laughs> so it doesn't just expand itself to us. It expands itself to heaven and, and everything. I mean, you, there's, there's some big stuff going on here. And then it goes on. God. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for our benefit. In other words, he's doing all this to be our leader, not so he can say, tsh, 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 but so that he can actually lead us to the place that we're supposed to be. We follow him. Second, second one is this. So first one is I recognize the personal claim of, on my life. Second one is I willingly unite myself to him. It says in our text, come to him. They come to him. What does that mean? It's just that simple understanding. This is where I belong. Everywhere else is wrong. 
this is where I belong, everything else is wrong. And they unite, they come, come to me. <laughs> All those that are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is the right place. And we just know that, we unite. Second one, or third one there, is I continually keep him in front. I keep him in front. It says he walks ahead of them. He walks ahead of them. It's not about me. It's all about him. I don't get ahead of Jesus. Wherever he goes, I go. One more real quick illustration. I got all these animal illustrations today. I used to have a, used to have a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Coolest dog I ever had. Named Sarah. She, but she had a disposition that was about as headstrong as they come. I mean, just a, a big, massive head on this dog. And boy, you had to let her know, Sarah, get over here. No, and she kind of do that. Well, as a puppy, I took her out to teach her basic obedience by uh, choke chain collar type method. It's called the Kohler method, I think is what it was called. So we'd go out, and we'd go walking for 15, 30 minutes every day when she was a puppy. And the simple method of teaching them was that the dog had to learn that wherever the master goes is where it goes. Whatever the master does is what it does. And this is what you do. You'd walk along, and sure enough, the dog would start getting kind of happy, happy, and start running out, and it'd get two or three feet ahead of you, and you'd just stop because you had this 10-foot string or 10-foot rope and the choke collar, and you just stop. The dog was like, oh! <laughs> you know, some of you are like, that's cruel. Well, that's, you know, the Disney dogs were trained, trained that way. <laughs> it's true. I, can, I still have the book on my shelf. Anyway. So, so you do this after a while, the dog, you know, you'd kind of walk, you'd slow down on purpose just to see what the dog was doing, and sure enough, there goes Sarah, she'd do, 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 you know, do that about ten times, all of a sudden the dog's going, <laughs> you know, looking to see where you're, whether or not you're going to stop. After a while, they figured out, instead of looking all the time, it'd be better if I just stayed about half a foot behind my master. And after a while, what happened is I would walk, the dog would always just be right there. If I stopped, they'd stop. If, if, I'd keep, if I'd walk, they'd walk. If I start running, they'd run. Everything that I would do, she would do. It's the same idea with us following Christ. I don't want to get ahead of Christ because a lot of times some of us <laughs> have maybe experienced this. <laughs> what the heck am I doing? I need to follow and walk behind because he needs to be ahead where I'm going. So wherever he goes, I go. And the last one is this. I emphatically, I emphatically reject every challenge to the authority of Jesus. This is what it says in our text. It says this. They won't follow a stranger. They, won't, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, I was thinking about this text, that last part. I thought of this. I thought, you know, how many of us entertain other authorities? We flirt with it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can get really close to this. Ah, ooh, that kind of felt cool to be a little rebellious right there. And we entertain our own authority. And we entertain somebody else's authority other than Christ. And we entertain these things and we flirt with these things. And our text says, if I'm going to follow Jesus' leadership in my life, I emphatically reject it. Matter of fact, it simply says, I won't follow. I won't do that. I, I willfully reject that. It's a decision that I make. 
You see, some of us, we need to make that decision. We've been following our own authority. We've been following every other kind of authority. We kinda, it's kind of like this popcorn kind of thing going on. And whoa, 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 whoa. We need to stop doing that because that's not following Jesus' lead. That's what He didn't create me for that. He created me for something else. And so they don't follow strangers. And the real question is for us is what do we need to run away from? Worship team's going to come. I'm going to pray. But I want to ask question what's new what's new in you what's new in you you have a new path have you have you recognized that your direction needs to go a different way do you have a new vision are you seeing things differently now or do you need to see things differently are you are you stuck and captured by the past and christ is trying to capture with his love is that happening what's new is your heart so opposite of what God wants when, when the whole idea of, of surrender and submission and slave and master and all these different things that we talked about, there just rises up in you, ah, I don't want to do that. I think God wants to maybe deal with this. Are you, are you still calling the shots? Are you calling the shots or is he calling the shots? Jesus, take the wheel. You know, kind of thing. And it, by the way, that song, the whole idea is he actually has the wheel. I give it to him completely. Not this idea, hey, you take it for a minute. i got to put my mascara on. Okay? I mean, he has it <laughs> is what it needs to be. Is it time for a new leader in your life? Is it time for a new leader in your life? For me, personally, this is what happened. Years ago, I came to the point where I simply realized I need a new leader. I'm doing a terrible job. My old life, my way of leading stinks. <laughs> I give it to you. And so now he's my master. He's my ruler. He's my authority. He's all those things that I describe. Why? Because he makes me new when I say, Lord, I need you as my leader. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, we surrender to you in this moment. Holy Spirit, speak to each person in this room. Holy Spirit, show us where, where we are claiming our own authority. Show us that. So your head is bowed before God and you say, you know what, Lord, I've been calling the shots. I've been the one in authority. I've been the one that's in control and I realize that I need you. I need to bow. I need to surrender. I need to submit. I need to allow you to come into my heart and make me new and you become my leader today. I need that. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah. Yeah. All over the room. Lord, I ask for those that raise their hand today. That Lord, just like you captured my heart with your love, that you would capture their hearts with your love right now. And that you would show them Lord, the, the depth and the width and the height, how much you love them. And that, Lord, they wouldn't be forced to make you the leader. They would want to. And so, Lord, we all say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for my own attempts at being in that place of authority. And I say, God, may you be my only authority. May you be my leader. May you be my Lord and my King and my Master. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.